Hi, my name is Mark Ackroyd, Head of Advice Delivery, Strategy and Innovation for Lumion. Welcome to Lumion Live, the podcast for advice professionals that believe in a values-based advice experience, but still have that question, how does it all work? The Lumion Live podcast connects listeners with other advice professionals to hear best practice client stories or business examples and lifts the lid on how they made it happen. Today, I'm joined by James Williamson, Managing Director and Senior Financial Advisor of Millhaven Financial Services in Sydney. G'day, James. Thanks for joining us. G'day, Mark. Nice to be here. Uh, lovely to have you, mate. So for, for those of you that don't know James, um, here's a bit of a practice profile on, on James and the team at Millhaven so that you can identify where James is coming from. So uh, Millhaven typically deal with pre-retirees and those in the early stages of retirement plus white-collar professionals. These clients typically have investable assets between $500,000 and $3 million. The team involves two advisors plus four support staff, and that business manages 133 contracted clients who on average pay a fee of anywhere between seven dollars to $12,000 based on their complexity. James, today you, are, you join us and you've brought in a couple client case studies for us to unpack to see how you bring values-based advice to life at Millhaven. So why don't you get us underway and, and tell us about one of those clients? Yeah, sure. So just uh, been using Luminant for about 12 months now. So it's been a really interesting experience and uh, really enjoyed that process. It's been a, uh, a learning pathway, even though we've always done values-based advice. Um, it's lovely to have a structured methodology behind it, which has been really good. But I thought I'd just throw a couple of examples at you today that... Uh, have really sort of uh, surprised us a little bit over the last 12 months. Um, and they are two very different examples. Um, the first one is an interesting one because we've just got to that 12-month anniversary of using Luminant. So we're starting to go through those review processes utilizing the methodology. But, so it's been really interesting because there's a little bit of learning involved in that process. Uh, we don't shy away from that. We're just, uh, we've obviously got to work out what works what doesn't work as part of that review process using Luminant, which has been really good. Um, so uh, one of our clients we put on 12 months ago, uh, uh, what took her through the Luminant process, 30-something uh, professional white-collar worker, um, very sort of uh, financially orientated, wanted to get ahead. Uh, so we took her through that initial process. And I think for her, that initial process was, a little bit confronting because I don't think she really understood what financial advisors did. Um, and having not been through a process before like that, I think she was quite surprised at the values-based approach to the, the system we took her through. Um, positively, I should say, it was a really good experience. What do you think she expected? I don't know, actually. I think sometimes people just don't know what they don't know. Uh, if they've not been through that process before, they're not really sure what to expect. Um, the the outcome of the meeting, uh, having gone through the values and determining what's really important to her values-wise, uh, and then pulling from that where where she was from a progress point of view with each one of those values, and then trying to determine some key goals and objectives off the back of that. Um, I think she came out of the meeting saying, well, I wasn't really expecting that, but that was a really positive experience. Um, uh, and look, we've, we've done uh, some advice for her throughout the year. Uh, we've taken her right the way through that process. And, and now we've just sat down with her again and revisited 
the, the, the values. Now, interestingly, we took a back through the values process and uh, I wasn't sure what to expect, but the values really haven't changed that much, which is probably what you would expect from people's values. I don't think fundamentally change. Um, however, the order of those values had changed. So, her, you know, what, what she felt was very important 12 months ago maybe wasn't quite as important this year. So it's been so, so a bit of a shuffling of the decks in terms of the priority. Can you tell me a bit about that? So what, what in her words or your view, um, you know, prompted the change in priority and what, what became more of a priority and less of a priority? Yeah, so uh, interestingly, the number one was she wanted to feel more confident with her finances at the beginning of the process. Now, obviously, 12 months on, we've taken her through that process. We've delivered a couple of significant pieces of advice to her. So I think she now feels 12 months on. Okay, obviously, my finances are still really important to me, but do I feel more confident? Well, yes, I do feel more confident now because we've obviously assisted her with that. So that's something that was front of mind, still important, but probably shifted uh, down a little bit. And what she's actually flipped to the top is uh, more career orientated. She wants to master new skills and she's looking to do a, a master's and some other things. And she's pushed that to the forefront for this year. Uh, which has been really interesting. So um, it was just nice to see how people do, uh, I suppose, pivot on what's important to them. Uh, and and I, I think it just really goes to show how important it is to continually review what's important to clients and the goals that come off the back of that. Yeah. And, and how did you how did you entertain that discussion? So it's um, you've obviously done it 12 months ago. You want to bring values back up again. You mentioned... 12 months ago when you first started, she was a bit taken aback by that, but in a good way. Um, how did you reintroduce values into the discussion that you wanted to revisit them and, and what was that discussion like? Well, obviously having the platform there as the basis, you've already got those values in front of mind. They're there. We can see them. Yeah, so you can see them on the Lumion screen. Yeah, you track exactly, to them. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and we, we've also tracked in each of the, one of those values the progress. So what was she out of 10 last time? So she says, uh, you know, maybe I feeling confident with my finances, maybe she's a four, right? So we've revisited that and now she's feeling like a seven or an eight, which is awesome, right? So she's, so she can see the progress from a four to a seven. Now, it might sound like small things, but I think to the client, if they can see they're moving down a path, they're going to value that. Uh, and the, this is what we end, identified to start with. This is where we are now. You've moved down that path in a positive way. That's awesome. Right. So I think that's been that that was the really interesting part is just revisiting each one of those values, showing her the progress that she's achieved on. And some of those are not all us. Like the finance one was obviously us. Um, but certainly what she's doing in her job and her, her self-education is all her. I think the fact that we had identified it in the early part of the process and, and it was on her mind throughout the 12 months, allowed her to track and obviously move forward on that. So you've, you've revisited it. it. Was it as simple for you as going through and going into each value? So picking the card and going, you know, you were a four 12 months ago. How do you feel about your finances now out of 10? Yeah. So if you remember, if we go through the initial process, we're talking, why did you pick that card and why is that card important to you? You know, so why is that value important to you? Um, so it, it's almost as simple as revisiting that. You know, you picked this card last year because you felt this way. 
Um, is that card still relevant to you? Absolutely, it is. Well, how do you feel you're going? Do you feel you've gone backwards? You've gone forward? Have you stayed the same? You know how, and I, I use that word "feel." Yeah, very deliberately. Yeah, talk me um, through that. Well, I, I think you know we can obviously, as advisors, we can be extremely analytical in terms of how we do things, and that's okay, uh, and that has its place. But I, I, I often feel the value in terms of what we do from an advisor's point of view really comes through often in the intangibles, uh, and and the client needs to feel the value in an intangible. They can see the the value in a tangible because it's there. But in an intangible, they really need to feel it. Do I feel better off? Do I feel like I've made progress? And it's, that verb is very you know, important to use with the client when you're taking them through that review process. Certainly. Yeah, agree. And so um, you, you've revisited the values. They've reprioritized or she's reprioritized the cards. How does that impact your relationship or your advice for the, the 12 months coming now? Have you changed tact a little bit? Has she changed tact? What, what's been the impact of revisiting that? Yeah, so often, often year two, less to do than year one. Not unusual. Um, that's pretty straightforward. Uh, it's a refocus process. So you're refocusing on maybe new goals or updating existing goals. So that gives you, that gives you the direction. Uh, and then obviously, what do we need to do from a strategy point of view to make sure that she's achieving those goals going forward? The values are entrenched. We have them. We know that we've got progress reports on how they've been moving forward. We're now got, we now get into the strategy. So you talk about two types of plan almost. The strategic plan, which is, you know, I need to get from A to B. Uh, and the tactical plan is, you know, how you actually do that, what you're actually doing a long way to get you from A to B, you know. So, uh, so just manage, it really is a refocus, um, an unpack, repack. Want of a better, you know, you know that's really what it is, um, and it gives you then just a clear guideline of what you need to do for the next twelve months. And how do you, how do you feel? So obviously you've been doing values based advice for a while. First first time doing um, the review with Lumiant as your backing. Um, how do you feel as the advisor that process or experience felt for you compared to what you were doing prior to using this? So definitely more organized, more methodology, obviously there, ready to go. So if you, if you think back to what we used to do, yes, we used to pull out all those values, and, but they probably were scribbled on yellow bits of paper and stuck in a file, right? Um, so now that they're, they're front of mind, they're there, they're what we can go back to and revisit. I think the other thing that from a, a practice point of view, anyone in the practice can go in and see those values. Yeah, great. So um, associate advisors, admin staff, para planners, they're all there to be accessed by the, the firm. Um, maybe in the old, uh, I say the old days, but you know, a few years ago, it was all in my head, all on a bit of paper. Um, I think now that having, uh, you know, I think your team need to have a better understanding of clients more generally. Uh, and that comes being able to have access to that information. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, James, you mentioned you've got another client story for us. Tell us a bit about this client. Well, I just wanted to give you something completely different because I think it's what I found is that you just get completely different people. So we had a new client uh, about six months ago, uh, what I call a high D type client, you know, director, very direct to the point. And look, often clients, you know, you get CEOs and people like that that can be like that. 
um, had the initial call with him, uh, got that feeling in my stomach that oh, maybe this Valleys-based approach is not going to work so well with this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they just um, want it done. They just want it done. And you've, got to, you've almost got to stop yourself being allowing them to lead you down the path. You've got to stick to your process. So we did that. And, and we had to really convince him to bring his partner in. Uh, we only do meetings with both uh, because I think it's vitally important, as we understand. Um, so uh, got that meeting organized, got them in, started to go through the process. And you could feel the tension, you know, the, that initial buildup where clients really don't want to be there. The fe- you're feeling the pressure um, and very much directed to, you know, the non-CFO and C- non-CFO first and the CFO. Well, what was interesting, as we started to go through the cards, um, you started to see a complete shift in power. Wow. Okay. Between the CFO, uh, being the, the husband, male in this, yeah, the, the husband who's a, the, who's a CEO by trade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not of a huge corporate company, but of a reasonably sized firm. Uh, so obviously, and it was amazing to see the shift uh, and the the differing of values that they picked out, and the way that they then had to negotiate on those values to get those top five. And the, the dynamic on that was quite confronting, to be honest. Because for you, not, not it was yeah, but it wasn't argumentative. I'm not suggesting that for a second. Um, but I think they started to realise how different their value, some of their values were, uh, and how they had to start to align those values in terms of moving forward. So it's maybe you know, um, everyone's all relationships are different, right? Um, but but the, the the meeting went on for about two and a half hours wow which was huge right so generally and and look the outcome was incredibly positive from an alignment point of view uh i think they felt that they really probably hadn't talked like this in 10 years right maybe about what was important to them and it really allowed them to focus on that what was really really important to them it's just amazing how people come from different sides and maybe don't realize what the other's thinking or what's important to them. Ultimately, they're aligned. They end up being aligned, but they're just coming from different sides. They're not quite understanding where the other's coming from. And that's how I think how powerful this process can be if, if you get it right. Um, now, it doesn't always go like that, but I'm just saying it's really interesting when you do get that because it does actually make you realize that you shouldn't assume anything. Yeah. When it comes to these sort of meetings, which is what I've sort of learn yeah for sure i mean you you could have right back at the start whether when the client engaged you you could have um rightfully and i'm sure many advisors have done this in the past assumed that our oh, ceo doesn't want to talk about his values he, he just knows what's going on it's it's all good and you stuck to your gut stuck to your process i'm interested to unpack it so how did you so let's start with that first bit where you're, you're ultimately trying to get the ceo or, or this client to come in and, I don't know, for lack of a better term, you've either got to sell yourself or sell him on a values-based advice experience, right? It's important we do this. How did you do that? How did you tackle that conversation? So we have a part of our process, we have what we call a pre-vet call. Um, we're, we're chatting on the phone with the client to work out how we think we might be able to help them. Are they a fit for us, yes or no? Uh, and often you don't know that 100% until you sit in front of a client, but you, you've got to get a sense of it. So we, we go through that process trying to work out, you know, what are the burning issues? You know, what are the things that are important to you right now? What, why are you ringing me? 
you know. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to ring a financial advisor today. It'd be nice. Generally, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't happen. There's, there's normally yeah. a burning issue. So if you can identify that burning issue, that gives you some context. Um, what we often talk about with clients, though, is, you know, it's a diagnosis. We need to understand what you're about before we can even work on prescribing anything to solve any problems. If you don't under, you know, you don't, you go to a doctor, a doctor diagnoses, he asks you a whole bunch of questions before he even works out what he's going to do. Uh, no different in what we do from a values-based point of view. You know, uh, often, you know, just because your arm hurts doesn't necessarily mean it's your arm. No, you're right. But, and it's the same in financial matters. Um, so what we try and do is try and get the client to understand that we'd like to go through a diagnostic process to work out where they are. Um, we try and paint them a picture of uh, we do something before we do the luminant uh, session of what we call a, a current, well, uh, sorry, after the luminant session, we do what we current status report. So they really understand where they are um, before we go forward. Um, and if we can sell that part and get them in, we often find that that values process will solve itself because once you get into that process, it, 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 they understand very quickly the benefit and what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. Uh, but it's getting them in the room. Well, so let's 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 stay there for a bit. You mentioned you you struggled or had to convince him to bring his wife in the room. Yeah. How did you how did you convince him in the end? What did you need to say? How did how did it work? So it really goes back to um, that CFO non CFO, and what you often find and what we found is if you're talking CFO stuff, I let's say you're rebalancing a portfolio, or something technical from a tax point of view, often the non-CFO doesn't want to have anything to do with that conversation, not interested, right? He does that or she does that. That's their responsibility. However, when you're talking about things of values and life importance, where we're going to retire, how we're going to retire, how we're going to look after the kids, you know, uh, philanthropy of any sort, they're the conversations the non-CFO is absolutely want to be part of. So the way the way we we sell that is I often will say to someone like that, I'll say, that we're going to have conversations on our own where maybe your wife or if it's the other way, your husband does not need to be involved and does not want to be involved. But there are going to be key conversations where you both need to be involved. And I think by trying to split the the conversations into two types of conversations, there will be times when we're speaking on our own. There will be times where you both need to be together. I think that that helps sell the importance of the meeting, the first meeting anyway. I, I like that. So, you know, you, you, you're inviting and introducing the concept to the client that, that we know quite well, right? Um, we know that in a relationship, there's typically a CFO and a non-CFO, you know, um, one that takes care of all the money matters, all that sort of stuff, one that doesn't and actively doesn't, right? Through It might be through never being engaged, which we, we find is quite often the reason, but it also might be, I could be engaged, I actually just don't care, I don't want to. Both are valid reasons. I love that you're inviting that and introducing that type of language into the client so that they can understand, right, okay, I understand that both of us need to be here for some things and if it's just the... Uh, the money stuff, you'd come straight to me. So it brings them in, right? I like yeah, no, it seems to have worked quite well for us. Um, and But I'll I, I just try and, I suppose, highlight to them that the first meeting is so important because it does set the foundation for everything that we're doing. And, and you, you you sell it. You say, obviously, not every meeting is going to be like this. 
but it's an important one to get right. So if you can, you know, take an hour, hour and a half out of your, you know, your busy lives to sit down with us and just get this foundation right, um, the rest of it's going to be a lot easier once we've got that, got that correct. Now, the the last last question I want to unpack on this client um, before we wrap up today is you mentioned you saw a dynamic shift or a power shift in the conversation when you're doing the values from the CFO, who I'm assuming controlled the conversation up to a point, and then the non-CFO who, who got a little bit more vocal. What did you see? How did you how did you see that come to fruition in the appointment? You know, was it body language? Was it the fact that one spoke up more? And the, the second part of that question is, how did you deal with it? What did you do? Yeah, so often um, the way of dealing with things like that when you're getting quite um, vocal power shifts is to do nothing. And I mean that quite genuinely, you know, just listen to what's going on and allow them to to do what they need to do. Um, but interestingly, what we had is that because the non-CFO went first uh, they're, they're, and then she went through the, her cards and did that, and then he went through his. Um, and interestingly from that, she was more critical of his cards than he was of her cards. There's a little bit of a, a flip there, which is interesting. And she was questioning his cards more. He sort of left her cards. And, and there was a difference in terms of the type of cards that, that some they aligned on. I think it was two they aligned on. The other three were, hers were much more about family, nurturing relationships that sort of side which obviously was something very important to her family one and him being a high d director type it was all about you know we've just got to get this stuff sorted but you know not not uncommon Um, and i think that was that was the catalyst that was getting her to push back a little bit on his values so what what why is this not important to you it's important to me. Why is it not important to you? Wow, what a what a fascinating conversation to sit back and watch. How did how did he react to that? Oh, he goes, no, no, it is important. You know, you start to see the dino. It is important, but I just thought this is more. You know, like they try and justify the cards. It's quite quite funny to watch, and and it wasn't aggressive. It no, was no, in no, way, shape, or form. But necessary. But necessary conversation. Yeah. And what they actually ended up with was that what you see with uh, those values is they they start negotiating on what cards are important and then they start to you know compromise on what cards are important and then you end up with what what you end up with and often you know some will get some and some will get others and you know finances was a big part they wanted to feel more confident in their finances so that was in the top five um spending more time with the family was a big one that they negotiated on um spending without guilt was in there as well which is an interesting one because they were quite wealthy you know not well you know what i mean like Yeah, assume that you could spend money, right? But it's interesting how there's still guilt associated with spending, even though you've got money. Uh, But again, not to be not I'm not assuming anything. I'm just allowing this to unfold. Um, And then obviously that that gives you that just amazing foundation for everything you do going forward. Because at any point in the next 12 months or even after that, you can say, You remember when we went through the values? You remember you picked these five things. And you've told me why they're important to you. Well, are they still important? Well, yes, they are. So you can always bring it back to the value side. Um, and it's such a powerful thing to bring them back to. Because they picked it, not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just facilitating. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. So that was great. It was um, one of the 
very unexpected, actually quite rewarding from a process point of view and a vice point of view, just to see how those sort of things can unfold. I love it. I love it. Two fascinating stories, James, um, that, that show the impact of values-based advice. One question we always finish on here at the podcast is if you were, if you were giving a tip to your peers in the industry who are considering values-based advice that they're just not quite there yet, um, what might one of the tips be that you would give them as they, as they start to dip their toe in the water with values-based advice? Yeah, look, the biggest one I've learned, certainly this year, um, uh, is really not to assume anything. And I mean that quite, I mean, we, we make uh, assumptions all the time about people and we're all guilty of it. And I'm guilty of it as anyone else. Uh, but what I've learned from the clients we've dealt with this year particularly is what you think the key driver is, is often not the key driver. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you've got to allow it to unfold. Uh, and by allowing it to unfold, you'll, you'll, you'll get a much better outcome. James, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. I've got a, a ton of notes here, but to recap some of the key points, you've spoken to us about a couple of client stories where um, you've taken a client through the full 12 months of their values-based experience, seen them reprioritize and how that shaped the impact of their advice and help them feel really confident about themselves in, in getting progress in their values, which is really cool. And the second client, you know, living that never assume that you've just spoken about, um, getting both the CFO and the non-CFO in the room, uh, staying silent as they negotiate their values and seeing the power that that has in a conversation. James, thank you so much for sharing those with us today. I'm, I'm sure there's many a best practice in there that people can take home. Absolute pleasure, Mark. Thanks. Brilliant. Thanks, James.